Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Meckie Lozano. I am really excited about today's episode because we have Marilee Quinn on the podcast, and we are going to continue where Katie Beetle Rice and I left off in the last episode regarding chapter seven of Religious Potential of a Child, where we talked about prayer. And in that chapter, Sophia Cavaletti, she speaks about silence, the value of silence in prayer, the value of silence in religious education for children, but also for us as adults. And so I asked Marilee to come on the podcast to specifically isolate prayer of silence. And how do we help the children make silence? And how does she utilize Maria Montessori's silence game to do that? So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. And I hope that it helps you discover the power of silence in our spiritual journey towards God. Marilee, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Yes, I'm. Um, my name is Marilee Quinn. I live in Kansas. I'm a director of a Mary's Catholic Montessori Training Center. I've been in the Montessori classroom for over 35 years. And as far as catechesis, I'm trained in all three levels. I'm a formation leader for all three levels. And I'm also on the discernment committee for the National Association. That's awesome. I have we spoke about it before. I remember meeting you a few years back in Atlanta, and I just fell in love with you and your beautiful Montessori childlike heart. I just I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Well, I'm so happy to be here. And you know that I think your work is fantastic. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Marilee. Well, Marilee, would you tell us all about silence? And why is this important? Okay. You know, when I think about silence, I always think of Maria Montessori's introduction to, or discovery, I guess, that silence was important to the children. But there's one particular account that's unique, and it's in the Montessori Method book. And she brings that little baby, it's a little girl, into the classroom, and she says to the children, I brought you a little teacher and the children giggle (laughs) because of course they couldn't understand how this tiny baby could be their teacher. And then she starts saying, but can any of us be as still with our bodies as she can? Can any of us be so quiet with our mouths? Can any of us breathe so softly? as this tiny little baby. I just love this story because for me, I can see the twinkle in Maria Montessori's eyes. (laughs) There's a playfulness there. There's a delight. And yet that profound respect for who the baby is and who the children are. And it all comes through in that one little story and how the children responded so beautifully. Mm-hmm. I'm also then I think of uh, John Agobi quotes Maria Montessori when she says silence gave the children great joy, but certainly more joy at having heard in the silence something special. 
and something new. It was then that I realized that the soul of the little child has spiritual rewards and delights. After such an exercise, it seemed that they loved one another more, and certainly they were more obedient and genteel. What a delightful description of the experience of the silence game. Am standing in his works, he, he talks about a catechist who asked the children, you know, what's, what, was, what did you hear in the silence? And one child said, I heard spring coming. And another child said, I heard the voice of God speaking inside of me. Oh, wow. Myself, I've asked the children too, because it, there is always something that they hear. And you can see their little faces change as they hear the voice, a voice in, in the silence. And when I ask them, I, you know, they have lots of answers, but the by far across the board, most common answer is, I heard the good shepherd tell me that he loves me. Oh, what else is there? If this is all we gave the children, yeah. would it be enough <laughs> mm -hmm. to hear in their own hearts, the voice of the shepherd saying, I love you. So, that's what silence in the atrium means. It's helping the children foster that ability to hear. But then we go back again to Maria Montessori. How did she prepare the children to be able to listen so deeply? I like to start with just their bodies over several weeks. This is over several weeks. The very first week, just let's, let's think about our bodies, you know, like wiggle your toes. Mm -hmm. Get your toes really still. Wiggle your legs. Get your legs really still. And just go through every part, their fingers, you know, maybe their jaws, maybe their eyelids. Get it really still. And then at the end of that, let's see if we can get our whole body still. Five seconds. <laughs> and that's good enough. And then on, on another week is when you would... Um, Arrange the children in such a way that they can't see you. So like if they're in a half circle, you would stand behind them. And, you know, we talk about this information. So many people are familiar with this, but then it's when you would make sounds. But they'd be a gradation of sounds. In the beginning, you'd like ring a bell and have the children raise their hand. What do you recognize? Well, I heard a bell. But you get softer and softer to maybe the um, a stapler isn't quite so loud, maybe the pouring of water, the pouring of beans, and down to where it's just the click of a pin, you know, something just so quiet. And this is just another exercise in training their ability to listen. And you could do that several weeks if, if it seemed necessary in helping them, or you can go back to it again and again. <clears throat> and I would say the next level then in this training is to enter into that silence and invite them to hear sounds in the environment. It could be, you know, children in another classroom, footsteps in the hallway, cars outside the window, the fan, the ceiling fan, um, those kind of sounds just in the environment. So all of these are just like practices or a training and then you finally get to that place where they are capable of, like you were talking about in the podcast last week um, with Katie, where they can make silence. And with that, again, you would do it 
start out with just a very tiny short amount of time, 15 seconds. Each time you meet, you can go a little longer. And you talked about the calling of the children's names. Maria Montessori writes extensively about the calling of the children's names into the silence. But she talks about how the adult's voice should not disturb the silence. I think that's a challenge for us. And, you know, it's something I ponder again and again. I have um, some collaborators when I ask them about it. You know, how do you not disturb the silence? And they said it's almost a song, that you, you sing their voice so very softly. And it kind of floats on the silence rather than penetrates the silence. Mm. But I think it's something that every individual would probably have to practice and to come up with something. So you're thinking like um, maybe it's a soft singing, like Carrie, kind of like two tones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But I think, again, that's something that everybody would have to experiment on. How can their voice float on the silence and not penetrate the silence or disturb mm-hmm. the silence? So for each of these moments that you just talked about, from the, the wiggling the different parts of the body and then the listening to the bell or the clicking or um, and then listening to the environment and then calling their name but not disturbing the silence, like singing their name or... Would you build or are those separate moments? What I mean is when you have gone through this with the children for many weeks and you're maybe going to listen to the silence in the environment or what small noises you hear in the environment, do you first do the wiggling of the body for a minute and then the bell maybe and then listen to what's the environment noises? I don't think I would mix the making of sounds with environmental sounds. I think if it's necessary, if the stilling of the body would help them, like focusing on a few parts of the body and consciously still that part, that might help them in the beginning, even when you're doing the later steps. Mm -hmm. After the environmental sounds, there's another option if you had the freedom to do it, and that would be to go outside and listen to environmental mm. sounds outside or the sound of birds and the sound of the wind, you know, but that's not as easy to do in an atrium environment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with it. But I think, again, I love the fact that in Montessori, we don't teach a program, we teach the children. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that have to be open to the discretion of the catechist. And if her children need that orientation to their body every single time, then she should be willing to do it. But if they don't need it, we want to move beyond it as quickly as possible. Got it. I'm imagining the children in my atria, just because I only see them once a week, that they probably will need that body awareness longer than maybe you do in your Montessori classroom since you're able to practice with them more often. It depends really on your group of children, but I I guess my, my guideline, I guess the nuance here is they can only sit for so long. Yes. And if we're spending our time focusing on the body, we might not be able to spend our time in the deep silence, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there's a window of opportunity. So it's kind of, where do we want to put our energy that day? Right. So that's the discernment that the catechist has to uh, always 
think about and never ask too much right. of the children. Right. I was thinking about that as you were going through the different moments that it could be very easy for us as adults to want the children to be silent for like five minutes. And that's a huge ask for children. But so you, you're, when you're speaking about each of these moments, you're speaking like 15, 30 seconds of wiggling, you know, 15, 30 seconds of listening to the bells and the pin clicking, correct? I would think on one day you could probably do five or six sounds if you're doing the ones you make. Mm-hmm. You know, not very many seconds with each one, but, you know, that still builds up a little bit. When you get to the end of it, you know, where you're just going to listen to nothing, that would be 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Very small until you see your group growing in that ability. But I had these two boys where conquering their body was very, very difficult, but yet they desired it more than anything. So, you know, they were getting a little older. I think they were probably five and I'd had them a long time. They decided they were going to see how long they could be silent. Mm. This was coming from them, not me. And still silent and still. I think both of them made it to 20 minutes. Oh, wow. That's a long time. I don't think I could do that. It's really long. Mm -hmm. It is really long, but they really wanted it, you know, but it wasn't, this was not me saying you have to go sit there. But how gradually had we built up to this? Right. You know, over three years time. But for them, it was so much such a, um, how do we say, they had conquered themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a victory. It was like running a race. Yeah. Or running, being the fastest one in a race or you know, bouncing, making all the baskets in a basketball game, you know, something like that. Right. And a personal accomplishment for them. That's yeah. what it was. What I love about it is it's such a gift of self-control. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're teaching the children how to control their instincts, control their desire to move, control their desire to talk that can affect every aspect of our life if we have personal self-control. It's what a gift of self-control that we're giving them. Well, you know, Maria Montessori calls the silence game and walking on the line the ultimate exercises in control and coordination. So the direct aim on those in the Montessori classroom is control and coordination. Um, I would invite anybody who got to this point in the development of the silence game to practice the silence game every single time they're with the children. Because just what you said, we can give them no greater gift. If it's hearing that inner voice, that's beautiful. But if it's simply self-control, those children can go anywhere and do anything. Yeah, yeah. If they have that kind of self-control. You know, they can go to church and sit still on the pew. They can go to the grocery store and be respectful to the people around them. You know, Mm -hmm. it is a tremendous gift. And they can be comfortable with the stillness, too, especially in our very hurried world that we live in. How often does a child encounter stillness and silence? So almost helping them grow in comfort with that. And I think it's a hunger as well. You know, when you get to the 9 to 12 atrium, those children are starved for silence because it's nowhere. You know, who carves out Mm -hmm. that time for them to just be? Mm -hmm. And it may manifest itself in a really quiet work time, or it may show up in their prayer. You know, it manifests itself in different ways, but there is a hunger there. 
in the human heart. Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. Do you find that practicing silence or making silence produces the most fruit at the beginning of an atrium session or at the end? Is there a time that it tends to work better or produce more fruit in the work maybe? I tend to do it at the end, but I think that's just out of habit. Maybe it would be better if I did it at the beginning. This is an interesting question. I I heard you talking about the way you do it at the end. I thought that was really, really beautiful. And I think then it becomes a prayer for them. I also do it at the end. I think what happens if we do it at the beginning, we might. The temptation, I would think, for the adult would be using the silence game as a form of control. Mm. And it can't be that. It needs to be the fruit. So they've been working in the atrium. There's something beautiful about that time they spend already. It's kind of like we went through all these steps. The time of working in the atrium is them getting in tune with all the different parts of their body, right? They're using their pencil. They're Mm -hmm. walking around the atrium. They're processing with the (laughs) processional crowd. You know, they're doing all these things as prayer. And then we're just Mm -hmm. moving deeper into prayer at the end with the silent game or towards the end. So it's just something to think about. And I think it could be done either way. But I, I think that we need to be careful of using it as a way of controlling children. It, that is a temptation, and it could so easily happen that way. So if you are integrating it into the life of the atrium on a weekly basis, like you described last week, I have a few different ways I like to do it. It's not right, wrong. Any, you, any, any way works. But, you know, long about Christmas, we're talking about the prophets, and how the prophets listen with the ears of their heart, that we too can be like a prophet, and we too can listen with the ears of our heart. And then that would be like an introduction to, well, let's try entering into this prayer of silence like the prophet. And the children really, really love that idea of praying like a prophet and listening with their heart. Another thing that I like to do is I introduce, um, there's two prayer cards, one that I use for, that will introduce the silence game and then live with us. And one prayer card is be still and know that I am God. And you know that song that goes, it's so soft and it's so beautiful. And you sing it like three times and get softer and softer and then just enter into the silence following the song. But with the prayer card, you know, I, I take the prayer card pretty slowly. And I have a luxury when since I get to pray with the children every day in the classroom that we can just take each word of that, be still, be still and know, be still and know that I am God, you know, just each piece of it. So it could be like a three-week prayer card, looking at each part of that prayer card and then singing the song and then entering into silence. If these are just options. Another one that the children like is the prayer card, uh, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then we enter into the silence, listening um, to the Lord. So those are just ideas and examples. But you had some good ones yourself. How do you do it? Um, I work them up to being able to be still physically over a few weeks. I haven't done the wiggling like you suggested. I really like that idea. It's, yeah, it can't be like, you know, like crazy. 
it's really subdued. It's really as if this much of wiggling your fingers. It's not going to lose their dignity. Yeah. Little wiggling. Yeah. Right. Right. It's almost more of an awareness. Be, be aware of your fingers right. and now be aware of your yeah. neck or whatever. Um, and then I try and just honestly be quiet myself. <laughs> Make me stop talking for slowly longer, over a few weeks, longer and longer, five seconds, and 10 seconds, them getting used to that, to silence. And then I ask them to start listening. What did you hear? What did you hear? And then I will go and after a few weeks of that, I will go and see if they can hear me say their name. Um, one thing, though, that I would like to grow in in the silence game is making sure that I don't interrupt the silence with asking what did you hear because then there's not silence so um i think that's me as the adult me being uncomfortable with the silence or me feeling like i need to do something just kind of catching myself to make sure that i am not breaking the silence by wanting them to answer that well what did you hear oh i hear the siren outside oh i hear the bird outside because then there's not silence right and that would be you know that could be that one one of those preparatory games or it could be after the silence game is all over but in the end when it's that intimate silence it's not really our business (laughs) it's a little while i yes i admit i have asked that question and i probably will again but mm-hmm. not every time and not, you know, because it really is. Sometimes just say, I don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It's not my business. You know, mm-hmm. we have that uh, awesome privilege of witnessing that relationship, that covenant relationship between God and the child. But it's not something we can probe. Right. It's something we can just observe. So it, I think we have, again, we need that delicate, delicate balance of honoring and sharing. Right. Yes, Sophia says something about that in Religious Potential of Child, of us not being able to penetrate the, what is going on yeah. beneath the surface, mm-hmm. that that is not our role. Yeah. It's beautiful. And we may never know, and it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So since EM Standing wrote about it, I thought I could. <laughs> thought we could mention it. But I would just... Um, for the catechists that are able to go on that journey of silence, I think what, like you mentioned, the first thing we need to do is to practice it ourselves in our own prayer life, mm. learn mm-hmm. to listen with the ears of our own heart. And I think if we're able then to practice it with the children, that we're going to discover the same thing that Maria Montessori discovered, that the children do have those spiritual rewards and consolation will just happen to discover just by being there in the atrium with them. We are so lucky. We're so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Marilee. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Remember that we are doing this whole series on different chapters from the third edition of Religious Potential of the Child by Sophia Cavaletti. And we have a whole list on our website of which chapters from the book match up with which episodes so that you can gather a group of catechists, group of friends, group of parents, or if you want to do it on your own, 
and dive into this really, really amazing book this summer. And we hope that these podcast episodes will help you dive into these really rich content that's in each of these chapters. So today's episode matches up with last episode over chapter seven on prayer. And so for the next few episodes, we will continue this journey. I wanted to read to you something from an old journal from 2001. This is from the annual journals that we put out through the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And you can access these journals from our website. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. These journals are full full of beautiful content about our work in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Some articles are written by Sophia or Gianna or Silvana, and some are written by other formation leaders or catechists. They are beautiful. So you could just take one article from any of these journals and just sit with it. Let it penetrate your heart. Let it be your continual formation on your journey towards God through the child. And so I wanted to read you just one really short paragraph that was in the 2001 journal. And this was written by Judy Jacobson. She said, making silence. An important element of prayer is silence. Stillness and silence fosters reflection and the capacity to listen to and receive God's presence. Making silence is a fundamental collective exercise within the Montessori classroom. We want to help the child become aware of the value of silence as a necessary means of listening, reflecting, and responding to God. We make silence by keeping our body parts quiet and still paying attention to our breathing, and becoming aware of the sounds within the atrium. It is in silence that God speaks to us, and it is in silence that the child can listen and respond to God. So I would like to challenge you to make silence in your life. Make silence in your own personal life and make silence with the children in your life. And if there's any way that you are able to capture these moments with a picture, share them, share them like on Instagram and Facebook and tag CGS USA so that we can see you making silence. In this episode, Marilee speaks about a song that she uses when she's making silence with the children. And this song, Be Still, is from the book Songs with Joy. It is the yellow covered book that is meant for the level one child, that three to six year old. There are many songs in this book that can be used in the atrium, but also in your own personal life. Um, We've spoken many times in the past couple episodes about how prayer is not limited to specific times in our life, how when we walk out the door and we see a beautiful sky, we have an expression of thanksgiving and awe and wonder towards God for these moments. And these songs, we can use them as aids in prayer with the children. So like Marilee uses it when we she is making silence with the children, some of these songs I have also used at different times like that when I am expressing something towards my children, I might break out in song toward, with one of these songs. And so I encourage you to check that book out too. I'm going to, I'll put a link in our show notes to that one as well. This week, we are lifting up our benefactor member, Mustard Seed Training. This is a small group of home-based Christian artisans in Northeast Ohio. 
Mustard seed training has been approved by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd as a vendor member. They have beautiful materials on their website that they have created that you could use in your atria. Please go to mustseed.org to learn more. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.